Okay, so today to kick off the show, this week to kick off the show today, we're going to talk a lot in the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the program about coaches, about coaches around the NHL, coaches to be, coaches we wonder about. And Elliot Friedman uh, is going to stop by here in a couple of moments from Hockey Night in Canada from 32 Thoughts. Um, And we'll start by talking about the New York Rangers. There's been a lot of talk about uh, their head coaching position, and a lot of the noise has revolved around Peter LaViolette uh, and John Hines as well. We'll get on the uh, the Rangers page here in a couple of moments, uh, but also should mention in about uh, two and a half hours, if you're listening to this program live and and not in podcast form, uh, Ryan Huska will be named the next coach officially uh, of the Calgary Flames. Um, Huska... You know, it's tough not to look at this hiring and not say this is about the new players coming in. This is about the Calgary Flames looking to turn a page here and not turn their back on some of the younger players in this organization. Now, we can all recall what happened with Daryl Sutter last year with Jacob Pelche. That sent the chill through uh, all young players uh, in the National Hockey League to say nothing of all the young players in the Calgary Flames organization. Uh, let me see the sheet. Uh, let me see the stat line. What did I think of him? What's his name again? What number does he wear? Not a great move. Uh, anyway, it's tough not to uh, to look at the Huska hiring and say this is a lot about the youth on this team. Now, uh, this is still a team that's built for now, and make no mistake about it, Craig Conroy has plans for this team to win now. Uh, but he also wants a coach that's been familiar with a lot of players who populate the organization at this time, many of whom yeah, he was part of coaching with the Kelowna Rockets in the Western Hockey League uh, and a lot of whom he's very familiar with in the Calgary Flames organization, both uh, actualized and those that are full of potential. And for those we think about, the aforementioned Jacob Pelche, we think of the Dustin Wolfs and some of the other players that are on the horizon for um, the Calgary Flames. So that official presser, uh, comes up in about two and a half hours. And I think we all have a lot of questions now about hap- what happens with Mitch Love, um, who really, in a lot of ways, has nothing left to prove at the American Hockey League level. Um, he's done a great job both winning and developing, and the evidence of that you will see as as soon as next season with the Calgary Flames and, and on their roster. So what becomes now uh, of Mitch Love? Is it another season in the, uh, in the American Hockey League? We'll see, or maybe is there some type of bench position for him uh, with the Calgary Flames? Uh, we'll talk about Sheldon Keefe as well. Now, in the latest podcast that just came out, uh, latest 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot and I talked about the future of Sheldon Keefe and when that would get decided and when that would get settled. And it still seems uh, as though this situation is eh, about as clear as mm, mud at this point. Uh, but we'll get more on, on the Sheldon Keefe situation with Elliot Friedman in a couple of moments. One thing as it relates to coaching, goalie coaching specifically, uh, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets today, reporting that Nicholas Backstrom, not the Washington Capital Center, folks, the other Nicholas Backstrom, the uh, uh, the netminder who plied his trade mainly uh, with the Minnesota Wild. By the way, remember that Nicholas Backstrom-Manny Fernandez tandem back in the Minnesota Wild days? That was really, really good. Uh, that was one of my favorite tandems in the, uh, in, in the NHL. Anyway, that Nicholas Backstrom... Uh, we'll take over from uh, from Manny Legacy, who was let go of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, uh, and he'll become the next goalie coach uh, for CBJ. Um, Valerie Camillo has left Comcast Spectacor. 
uh, questions about why that happened. These are all sort of the, the newsy bits that we're going to go over here uh, as we approach another week. And as we approach another week, yes, we do have some lingering and continuing questions about the Ottawa Senators. Uh, we have a lot of questions about the Florida Panthers and can they do this uh, with a very injured yet still gutting it out and trying to play the exact same game Matthew Kachuk, tough one on Saturday, almost completing the comeback to send this into uh, extra chuckers, but not so fast. And then there were the extracurriculars afterwards. And then there was hockey Twitter going crazy about Alex Petrangelo and what he deserved or didn't deserve to get after he was released from the penalty box at the end of the game. Uh, anyhow, there is a, uh, an extra day's rest for all the teams involved. Uh, so we'll talk about a lot of things off the ice. Ryan Novozinski from Star Ledger and NewJersey.com will stop by. We'll talk about uh, the Devils and what their offseason is looking like, most notably with Jesper Bratt and Timo Meyer. Uh, Darren Pang from the NHL on TNT and also analyst for the Chicago Blackhawks. That was some big broadcast news last week. Panger stops by an hour or two. Uh, and Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet gets us all set for the official unveiling of Ryan Huska as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. We're talking a lot about coaches today. Let's get to it with Elliot Friedman and get the show going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Glad to have you aboard once again for the uh, program today and uh, hopefully all this week. Uh, with that, we bring in Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. How is Vegas today, Elliot? Well, it's good. I'm, I'm just doing this on the, on the pool deck of our hotel, and Gene Principe is out here. And I just have to say oh, yeah. that I, th- I think Gene Principe swims in the fountain of youth. It is disgusting how good <laughs> this guy looks. I know he looks uh, he looks fantastic for a guy in his seventies. Mention that I uh, that I that I told you that one today yeah. on the program. I, I, um, I to, like it's, it's unbelievable. I I am jealous. I have envy. Normally it's it's like Amber and all of his B twelve shots, but I gotta say I I, I could live with uh, I could live with looking like Principe too. Let him be. Here, I'll tell you this. Let him be a walking, talking, flexing contradiction to everything that everybody says about living in Edmonton because if yeah. you can look that young that vibrant that healthy uh, after living in Edmonton for as long as Gene has let that be a lesson to everybody northern Alberta is not uh, the stereotype that it's uh, that many claim it is uh, case in point your honor uh, the great Gene Principe he's moisturized obviously and that's <laughs> one of the reasons and he tans and he, and he tans well I would he imagine. is bronze Unlike I don't know how moisturized he is but he certainly is bronze. Yeah. Uh, I've told you this before. Uh, I don't tan very well. My wife calls me um, the flag of Japan or the Polish flag. I am either totally white or totally red. And there's no there's no gradient in between. Uh, let's get to coaching. I mentioned that off the top of the program today. I said we talk a lot about coaches today. So let's start with the New York Rangers. We've talked a lot about John Hines. We've talked a lot about Peter Laviolette. What is the latest with the Rangers coaching hire? You know, I know I'm going to sound like a yo-yo, but I'm I'm leaving Laviolette now. I I, I think uh, until I get something that convinces me otherwise, he's the guy I'm leaning to. And uh, um, I, I think we're going to get some clarity here. But and I don't know 100 percent, but I'm leaning to Laviolette here. Uh, any particular reason, or this is just a vibe? 
vibe. Like, it, like it's tough. Like, the vibe last week, obviously, at the combine, as I said, was Heinz. I, I had a couple of calls, yeah. like, when I got into Vegas yesterday uh, after we recorded the pod, just saying okay. they thought it was now going the other direction. And some people felt... Uh, some people felt reasonably strongly about it, but again, I I have no confirmation. Uh, but it seemed to be the pendulum seemed to be swinging the other way. Okay, so the Peter Laviolette's tour through the Metropolitan Division will continue. The next stop, uh, the New York it, Rangers. Assuming it, it closes, like yeah, let's let's right. be careful. So, yeah. Okay, so Peter Laviolette is about to putt for par. How about that? Is that is that <laughs> as, as close as you're going to get to this one? He hasn't. The ball is not on the lip yet, but we're looking to putt for par. Um, yeah, that's but as I it relates so. to coaches, the, the big the, the big story of the day is uh, the uh, the announcement in about two and a half hours here uh, of Ryan Huska, who becomes the uh, the next head coach of the Calgary Flames. And you know, like I mentioned to you on the podcast that just came out, it, it's pretty tough for me to look at this hiring and not think that this one, as much as it serves the players that are currently on the roster and Craig Conroy and the rest of the Flames want this to be a competitive team and have a competitive season, it's tough not to look at this one and think this is one that addresses the now but also addresses and maybe more poignantly the future, the Jacob Pelletiers, the Dustin Wolfs, etc. Yes, I I think that's got a... uh... I, I think that's got a lot of truth to it. Um, you know, the thing about Haska is I, I just know that there's a lot of people in the Flames organization who think very highly of him. Um, you know, they, and I think that's what this comes down to uh, at the end of the day, that he, he's someone they, you know, they, they have, I think they have two guys in their organization in Haska and Love that they would lo- that, that that if they were going to be head coaches anywhere, they were hopeful it would be in Calgary. And you had to make a choice here, and they went with one of them. And I don't think it was easy, but I'm not surprised it ended up being either him or Love. Um, you know, I like I, as I said on the pod, I think there's a number of younger coaches around the league or younger hopefuls that really like this decision. If you take a look at this circle. Um, you know, uh, Cronin's a very unique case in Anaheim. It's his first time. He's 60, but it's his first time. And I think people like to see that. But, you know, Babcock in Columbus, uh, Laviolette in, in New York, if it does happen. Uh, and, you know, Brunette's a younger guy. But this has been a case where some of the, the, like, the young people who are hoping to push through, like, Husk is a big one for them. So he's got a lot of people kind of rooting for him and there's a lot of people who think he's really smart and are very hopeful about what he can do i i think the biggest thing honestly jeff is going to be what happens with the roster like we know the young kids are going to play we know pelche is going to get a chance we know zari is going to get a long look we know coronado is going to get a long look we know wolf is going to be around but i i think now we're starting to wonder what's going to be going on around them and as i said on saturday night and i said again on the pod you know, Winnipeg has been one of the most interesting teams of the offseason, and, and they're a team to watch. Yeah. I think Calgary could be, too. I think this could be a fascinating summer for the Flames. Uh, do you think it's a situation where Conroy essentially says, uh, are you in or are you out? To all the key, all the key players, whether it's Backlund, whether it's Lindholm, whether it's Tanev, whether it's Hannafin, you reported on him on Saturday. Do you think it's, it's, it's that simple? 
or will they look at maybe carrying some players through the season, even though the contracts are expiring? I think, the, like, I, I don't think they're going to be afraid to look around. Like, uh, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, you've got Conroy, who's a really smart guy, as a first-time GM, but that's why you have Maloney and you have Nonis around him, is that to navigate this. And, um, you know, I, I think this, I, I, I don't know how many solutions there's going to be in the free agent market, so teams are going to be looking at the trade market. And uh, Calgary's going to have some good players available, and that means that mm-hmm. there's going to be there's going to be people calling them. Like there's, you know, like a guy like Lindholm, a guy like Hannafin, a guy like Backlund. Uh, like those are players. You know, Tanev, if it comes to that, Toffoli, if it comes to that, those are players people are going to want. And you know, Calgary's going to have a lot of options in terms of what to do. So here becomes my question because um, some of the finalists here, obviously um, Ryan Huska, who ends up with the job. Uh, we wondered about Kirk Muller. We certainly wondered about Mitch Love. And I mentioned this off the top. I don't know that he has, I don't think he has, none of us think that he has anything left to prove at the American Hockey League level. Uh, he's been successful, did a great job with the Wranglers this year, did a great job developing players, etc., etc., etc. I have to wonder if there's a team out there, maybe a team in the 416 area code that has a vacancy for an assistant on the bench who's looking for someone with experience. I don't know. Maybe that team's name rhymes with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what do you think happens to Mitch Love here, Elliot? Well, I think he still has term left, so that's 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 one they've got to sort out. I mean, I'm sure he's disappointed. I think that, you know, like, I don't understand how anybody wouldn't be. Like, yeah, I think people have to understand that. Like, <clears throat> someone said to me once when a guy didn't get a coaching job, like, well, that's selfish. He's not happy for the other guy. And I said, these things are not mutually exclusive. You can be happy for the other guy and be disappointed for yourself. Like, if you're any kind of competitive for person sure. and you go for a job, you believe you're the right person. So I'm sure he's feeling a bit a bit upset today, and uh, I'm sure. But like I know, like these things can work out. Like I, I think if if you're good at your job, people will find you, and he's clearly good at his job, and someone's going to find him. It's going to be that simple. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll look for this at uh, at two thirty Eastern, uh, twelve thirty local. The uh, the official press conference for uh, Ryan Huska, named the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. Uh, I mentioned Toronto there glibly a second ago uh, on the podcast. You said we're still not sure about a timeline where we're going to get any clarity on Sheldon Keefe, and at various times. Uh, depending when you're doing your searching and, and your hunting on Twitter, Sheldon Keefe's name has been trending every uh, every now and then. Um, what does your gut tell you on this one? I mean, I, I don't know that I'm going much more on on gut on the on the Sheldon Keefe situation. Do you have a leaning one way or the other about what happens here, or is it still just clear as mud? I can tell you, my gut is telling me that that ice cream sundae I had last night with Picasso's was a really bad <laughs> idea. That, that's what my gut is, is telling me. Um, yeah, very well. Uh, look, I, I have said this. I think he's coming back. Uh, I, I do. Um, I'm a bit stymied by what they're doing here. Um, l- like I said on the pod, I don't believe they're talking to anyone else. Like, that's what I spent... A lot of last weekend doing is 
uh, trying to figure out um, is 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 trying to figure out what is going on here. Like, are they are they talking to anyone else? And I don't believe they are. I I have found zero evidence. And with the amount of people I called, I'd like to think that if it was happening, I would have uncovered it. So I don't think they're talking to anyone else. But there is like. I, I, I don't know what the, what the time, what's taking time. Like, I initially reported if he was coming back, he's coming back with an extension because I don't want him to go into his last year. Maybe that's changed. I yeah. don't know. Like, we also know, Jeff, one thing we also know here is they need one new assistant coach. So I've kind of wondered, is that what they're kind of going through here too, is, like, who the name is? And, I, and I've heard they have been talking about that. So, like, I don't mm-hmm. have a great feel on – like I was initially, I heard that this was going to be sorted out by today, and then someone said, "Don't go with that because it won't be sorted out by today." And as far as we know, it hasn't been. And so what I'm looking at here is, I still think it's going to be Keith. I don't believe they're talking to anyone else, but for whatever reason, they haven't formally announced it. You know, one of the things, uh, and and again, a lot of this is, uh, you know, trending topics on, on hockey Twitter, um, pretty much as soon as we dropped the uh, the latest 32 Thoughts podcast, Pierre-Luc Dubois started trending. Now, a lot of people have started the week because everyone, you know, writes their, their pieces early, uh, are going to write about the hot button topic, and that is Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I thought your point yesterday about the Los Angeles Kings was an interesting one. There are some teams... Um, like I don't, I'm with you. I don't think it's Montreal or bust. I do think Montreal is the preferred destination for the Dubois camp. Uh, but there are a lot of teams that are taking uh, and are going to take a swing here. Why do you think Los Angeles is one of them? I just uh, because a number of people told me that. Like, like it's not one of that those things I would have inst- instinctually thought about. It's it's more like just like a number of the other teams believe that the Kings are going to take a long look at this, and and one of the reasons is like they want to make themselves better. Obviously, like this is a team that's lost twice in the first round. Now they want to make themselves better. Dubois makes them better, and the other thing is, you know, I, I don't know, like I, I don't presume to speak for Kopitar, and I don't want anyone to say that this means anything specific with Kopitar. How the Kings feel about Kopitar, yeah. but. His contract is up after after this year. So, you know, either it's going to be a post-Kopitar L.A. or it's going to be a different contract Kopitar L.A. Like, I don't think he's going to be at 10 and a half again, right? So it might give them some freedom to do some things. So, um, you know, I, I think Dubois, um, like, so for all those reasons, it's kind of like an educated guess, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, I, I just, like, like, I think Rob Blake, as a GM, is just the kind of guy who's like, I want good players. Um, you know, that, that's what it is. Um, and I think he just believes in loading up his team with as many good players as you can get, and they'll try to make it work. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's why I put him there. Uh, as we head into another week here, I mentioned this off the top, uh, we all wonder about the Ottawa Senators and their sale, and we've talked about this every radio show and, and every podcast, but there's there's one thing that I am curious about. Um, so I, I get it, but probably nowhere close to the level that you get it. 
Uh, whenever we talk about the Ottawa sale, specifically on the podcast, uh, a lot of the texts, and today is no different, uh, I get revolve around uh, a lot of the numbers uh, that are discussed here. Uh, is the debt really $450 million? Is the price tag going to be $1 billion? Is the, you know, do, do, does Ann Lauer have, you know, the, uh, the 900 or 950 it's going to take to get this done? Do the, does the Kimmel family have the same? That, that's the nature of some of the feedback that I get. When, when you talk about Ottawa lately, whether it's on television, whether it's on radio, whether it's on the podcast, what type of feedback do you get from people in the industry? Uh, are you guys right about anything? That's usually what I get because <laughs> like, everything we've reported on this has turned out to be wrong. Uh, no, I, like it's like there's no question it's been like there's a reason sale processes are private generally. And this is why, like, this is what someone said to me this morning, Jeff, after we dropped the pod, they listened and they said, this is why sale processes are private because like this does happen sometimes in, in sports sales, but nobody knows about it because it doesn't get out. And now because this one got out and th- this has been unusually bumpy. Like I, I will say this, I think that this one has been a lot more tumultuous than most, but a lot of times, like, their buyers come in, buyers drop out, but nobody ever hears about it. So I think just the overall nature of it has added to this, and obviously all of the big stars that were involved in it. Um, you know, I, I think this. You know, someone said to me this morning, like, everyone's talking about the Kimmels and the Anglowers. I do think we were correct in what we reported is that and generally, I, at, for most of this process, not all of it, the Kimmels have bid higher than the Anlauer bid has been. But at times, that's moved. And it hasn't always been that far. Sometimes it's been a bit of a difference, a chasm. And, uh, and sometimes it hasn't been. And, you know, I, I just, but the thing is, like, neither of them, I don't think, has ever been at the number the league wants. And so I think that's kind of the question now is who is going to who is going to push to that number first? Now there's a lot of talk that the Andlowers are the favorite. As I said, I, I don't wanna get guess on this because it's been wrong so many times for so many different reasons. But you know, the, the Kimmels have a partner there, his name is Jamie Salter. Um, you know, like people were just saying to me, like, don't discount the role he's playing here. And uh, I just think, uh, you know, I, I think the best answer is just wait to let it play out. Because now if it's down to two groups, if it truly is, these are two groups that the NHL knows. And they're going to be able to pick from people they know if it stays like this. And I think that appeals to them. But I don't believe as of this morning, that and maybe it changed maybe i should say yesterday or friday i don't believe either one of them was at the number the league wanted so how do we get there or close to there uh this really is an interesting all these sales i find uh fascinating for a couple of reasons one um uh, the sale itself but two 
the groups involved and you know someone mentioned to me last week that you know w- one of the reasons why uh there are so many groups involved in in this one and continue to be and and again some of some have already dropped out uh, some very publicly have, have have dropped out uh but one of the things that the nhl doesn't do is they don't want to alienate anybody who's interested in buying one of their teams like Somewhere yeah. here, like we, we talked about this with the co- with the coaching situation, Elliot. Um, someone's gonna someone's gonna be crushed. You know, Ryan Huska gets the job in Calgary. That's great. You know, I'm sure Mitch Love isn't feeling great about the entire process. I'm sure that Kirk Muller isn't feeling great, etc. And when it comes to you know choosing which ownership group is going to end up with the uh, with the Ottawa Senators. Um, whether it's Ann Lauer, whether it's the Kimmels, these are these are two groups that have been uh, intimately associated with the NHL by by two other stronger franchises, both Montreal and Pittsburgh. Someone's going to go away here with sore feelings. But the one thing the NHL always tries to do is keep ownership groups close. I'm not saying that what they're trying to do in the process is placate them and maybe somewhere down the road they can, you know, uh, use them to, uh, to to buy another organization or drive a price up. But is that, do you think that dynamic could be at play here as well? Not, not, And I'm not saying it as a slight either. And I'm not saying as if the NHL is being frivolous with this, but just so we all understand it, you know, this by order of business, there's the Ottawa sale, but there's also keeping ownership groups involved and interested for when the next franchise pops up. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Like, um, you know, like, like we, like, you know, it's, it's a good point you make because like we said, they, they certainly know Kimmel and they know Ann Lauer and they really like Ann Lauer. Um, they don't know Apostolopoulos. As a matter of fact, a lot of us don't really know Apostolopoulos. But now the NFL got to know him a little bit, and the NHL has too. They've had a chance to do some research on him, and now they know a bit more about him. The Nico Sparks group, they didn't know much about Nico Sparks. Now they've done some research with him. They know a little bit more about him. And, you know, sometimes that's what happens. Um, You know, it's an exclusive club. Um, It's not always easy to get in. But, you know, like sometimes they need to get to know you first before – they admit you in, and I, I wouldn't be surprised, Jeff. I think that's a good statement you make. Uh, okay, so then my work here is done for the week. I'll take the rest of the uh, the five <laughs> days off here. I've actually made a point this week. Uh, get your thoughts quickly on, on what we saw Saturday leading into uh, why you're in Vegas now, most notably Game 5. It's going to be, listen, uh, bless the Florida Panthers. It's been an incredible run. Uh, it's going to be incredibly tough uh, to, do, to Merrick do anything counts, against Merrick this Vegas counts out team. the Panthers. No, you know why? You know why I'm saying that, Elliot? Because you laughed at me when I said uh, Vegas and five. <laughs> I didn't laugh. You I just said, "Wow!" And, and, and yeah, I did. Right. Uh, I did scoff. I, I scoffed I think more than more, laugh. More, more, more than just gentle snickering. Anyway, this is going to be tough for the Panthers, man. Like the, I, you guys showed uh, Matthew Kachuk in the warm-up. Oh. And you watch him play, and in the third period, you watch him sit. Now, by the end, he couldn't resist being Matthew Kachuk, and he was Matthew Kachuk very much at the end against Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you what do you make of tomorrow? Vegas just looks so good, and to be honest with you, Florida looks like a, like a wounded animal here. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Florida's practicing in three and a half hours, and I'm going to go over for their practice. They're practicing at the at the at the main rink. Um, 
Hold on one second. Uh, they're practicing at the main rink, so I'm going to go check it out. Like, like to me, the, yeah. I think they're so banged up and uh, right now, Jeff. Like, without Kachuk, Kachuk is their linchpin. So, you know, he's their Hart Trophy uh, candidate. He's their he's a Conn Smythe candidate, um, and he's clearly hurting. Like, you know, he, he. I mean, he got it out the third period, four shifts, including the last two and a half minutes. Like, that guy is not playing four shifts of a one-goal game if he doesn't have to. Yeah. And it's because he's hurt. And I just think, you know, the Panthers, it's so hard for them to score without him or without him at full effect. And uh, I just think that so much goes through him and he creates so much. Like, Florida doesn't have as many natural goal scorers, I don't think, as, as Vegas does. And at this mm-hmm. time of year, that's a difference. You've got to score the gross, greasy goals, but you have to be able to have a few that go in just on talent. And right now, Vegas has more guys who can do it on talent than Florida does, which I think makes it so difficult for them. Bobrovsky, like this building tomorrow night, it's going to be crazy. Bobrovsky's going to have to be superhuman to push this one back to, to sunrise. You know, it's it's a good point you make, and we we've talked about this before. There's the uh, the Brandon Montour goal, you know, bouncing off two Vegas defensemen, and okay, whatever, whatever, whatever gets you back in the game. You got to bounce it off McNabb and Theodore. Okay, fine, um, it it still counts. But there is, and we've always talked about, it, and this is where I've always found the value in someone like Phil Kessel, like Phil Kessel when he was obviously playing. Um, just the ability to snap in two quick goals. Just takes all the pressure off the bench right away when you have someone that can just come down and almost like effortlessly score um it is it is such a luxury to have elliot because and florida's finding this out against vegas you look at that vegas blue line like everybody's six three like these yeah. are these are mountains of of players and you really have to you have to grind for every goal and that's fine for you know Kachuk and Bennett and these guys like that's that's fine that's how that's how they play but you're asking everybody to do that it has to it is so hard for yeah. the Florida Panthers to score a goal right now and and to your point they just don't have that guy that can fly down the wing and snap into really easily and say okay boys we're right back in this thing that is one of the great luxuries any team can have and vegas has got a couple of those guys well they do and again you go back and you look you look at last year's final the, if you look at all the defensemen between colorado and tampa by listed in nhl.com who is the smallest kel mccarthy you look at, at at this final here, yeah. like Montour is not a big guy, although he's a physically dominant human being. Um, you know, I think that you take a look at this team for Vegas, they're all tall and long and lean. It's not about size. It's about size and the ability to create a fence that people have to get through. You're always hitting, so you have to be big, you have to be mobile, and you have to have a good defensive yeah. plan. That way, whenever you're skating to the offensive zone, there's always a leg, there's always a body, there's always an arm, there's always a stick. Something you have to get through to go somewhere. And that's what a big mobile defense does. And the, both teams in the final had it last year. And, you know, again, like I would, you know, Montour, like I said, he's not a tall guy, but he's a very physically powerful guy. I think that that's what. That's what teams need now. 
You need a big, strong, physically mobile defense with a plan that everybody adheres to, and that's how you win. Yeah. I've told you about Tom Watt before, the the great line. Hey, what do you want your defense to look like? Uh, virile, agile, hostile, dancing bears. And that's what Kelly McCrimmon, the Vegas Golden Knights, have on their back end. Uh, okay, so yeah. enjoy... Uh, the rest of, of your, your poolside afternoon and the Florida Panthers uh, skate, and we will check in tomorrow, Fridge. Enjoy your day in Vegas. All right, you too, Merrick. Have a good day, bud. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada in Vegas for Game 5 tomorrow.